right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey, we're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery in studio here today. We're actually going to have some uh, shows at Big 12 Media Days tomorrow for women's basketball over at the T-Mobile Center. Yep. And then Wednesday, same thing at the T-Mobile Center for uh, KU men's basketball. And then I'll be out. I'm, I'm going to be out Thursday and Friday this week. I'm taking a bye week with KU. Uh, but wow. KU goes into the bye week off a loss. And... I guess big picture, when they lost to Texas, I think if you went back, we probably said just split the next two. You'd be okay. Uh, we probably, before the season started, said if you would have gone five and two, you'd probably be happy with it, right? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to remember what happy. I had them at this point before the season. I, I probably had them at five and two. I had them losing to Illinois and Texas for sure. So at best, I had them five and two. I had them beating Illinois. I might have even had them four and three. And I had them finishing seven and five. So, I mean, big picture is everything's in front of you. Um, I do think... This game right here Sunday was two things. One, it was an indication, though, that you, just like many of the other Big 12 teams, are part of the, the muck, the, crack. the slog, the it's Texas-Oklahoma, and then just a jumble of teams. And I think the other part of this is welcome to being a real football program. You know, as much as yeah, that happened last year, too, to me, this was such an awakening moment of, like, I was, I was you know, firing off some tweets or whatever Saturday. Yeah. You see people responding. You see people getting all fired up, getting all mad. And uh, it was a realization for me. There, there was a sick part of my head that yep. was thinking, like, this is awesome. Yes. We're at a point yes. where people are getting super frustrated and mad because they lost a close Dude, game on the road. I walked out. It's great. So I went to the game. I was in Stillwater. I was there. I walked out of that stadium pissed off. I was so <laughs> mad. I was so mad. And then I was like, wait a second. Just like you said, this is actually kind of awesome. Like, I'm actually mad that KU went on the road. And should have won. And I like, I'm actually in a, in, in a sicko way. That's awesome. That was sweet. But yeah, man, dude, a, in the immediate aftermath, I was just really, really mad. Mad, sad. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I feel the exact same way that, uh, that everything about you just said. I echo all of that in the sense of it sucks, but you've got everything in front of you. I've, I've maintained throughout this whole season that honestly, if you're not, if you're not legitimately competing for the Big 12 title, which I don't, I didn't expect that, and I don't think a lot of people re- realistically truly expected that, but if that's not going to be the case, I don't care what the record is. Just get to another bowl game. 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and 8-4. and four. It's all the same, honestly. I don't care. Get to a bowl game, and you're, that's still very, very much well within reach. You're going to have two home games against Texas Tech and Kansas State that you should have a chance to be competitive in, and then your two road games you have left are uh, Iowa State and... Cincinnati, and Cincinnati looks pretty bad. Maybe the worst team in the Big 12. Iowa State and Ames, that's going to be tough. And then you've got Oklahoma, which is going to be tough, but you feel good about KU's chances of winning one, maybe even two of these next five games. So, uh, yeah, setting aside this game in, in, in Stillwater, like, 
it doesn't really change much for me. Uh, I think the biggest thing is now what's what's up with Jalen Daniels? Is he gonna have a chance to play? Uh, I saw some. There was some, kind of some back and forth trying to confirm whether or not he was actually on the sidelines of the Oklahoma State game, which is which was kind of weird. Uh, but I, I listen. I want to take a moment here to shout out Jason Bean. I've been a big Jason Bean guy for a long time, and he played really, really well. He played really, really well against Oklahoma State. Over 400 yards, five touchdowns, made some phenomenal throws, especially early in the game. On top of that, he weathered the early storm of getting of going down 14-0 to Oklahoma State. You know, and that that didn't that didn't phase him. He was able to bounce back from that. Not listen, not a lot of starting quarterbacks can really can can say that that they would bounce back from from a deficit like that that early in the game. Uh, so it, it's just it's a really really great performance from Jason Bean, and it's it's sad that this this performance is probably going to be remembered most notably for the interception he threw in the red zone and a couple other mistakes here and there that that really did significantly affect the outcome of the game. But yeah, I mean. He was phenomenal. I, I don't know what more you can ask from him. He's, you know, there's a reason he's not he's not your starting quarterback, and he and he was able to go out and do that. So, uh, I tip my cap to Jason Bean. I thought he was great, um, but it like I said, it's disappointing that the one time that he did mess up, it was a bad lander throwing ball to the back of the corner of the end zone that gets intercepted in the red zone late in the game, and then uh, things kind of spiraled from there. But at the end of the day, KU scored seven points in the last like 35 minutes of the game, right? Now, not all of that's on Jason Bean, but that that's something that if you're going to win on the road, that's probably not good enough. And it, it clearly was not good enough in this game. Yeah, people had the pitchforks out for a couple things, play calling in the second half, not running it more. You're only averaging 3.1 yards per carry. Yeah, though. I mean, you were, getting, like, you, know, you were getting dominated. Yeah. Um, now, on the fourth and one, would I have liked to see him run the ball? Yeah, probably. But, you know, you can understand it. I, I thought it was a little more nuanced with Jason Mean. I wasn't going to the point where, and I can see where you're coming from. It's a backup quarterback. If you would have said coming into the game, Jason Mean was going to have five touchdowns, 400 yards, you would have gladly taken it. And maybe this is just the unfair position that Jason Mean was put in in this game. Like the That's UCF game. He's been in an unfair position ever since he got to KU, basically. Sure. The, the UCF game was a game where you did everything else well. And so you put him in a great position. The Oklahoma State game was kind of the opposite of that. You didn't play good defense. You didn't run the ball well. Nope. Even your special teams had a bunch of mistakes, right? Special teams was the worst out of all three phases, yeah. probably. So you did not put him in a good spot at all. I fully understand and, that, and I fully and understand how, it's a backup did, quarterback. How right? did he respond? He gave you the lead at halftime. Sure. And in the in the second half, you had some opportunities to go make plays. I also thought on the first interception that was, yeah, underthrown, I thought Trevor Wilson could have done more to maybe try to break up the pass. You know? No, see, okay, that interception, I put it more on Jason Bean. I know I just sung Jason Bean's praises, mm-hmm. but to me that interception is on him. When you're making a throw like that, you have to overthrow it. You have to put that to the back corner of the end zone to where either Trevor Wilson's going to run and go catch it or nobody's going to catch it. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't underthrow a route like that because that's what's going to happen. I guess, but I think he could have at least played DB a little bit. Sure. Tackle sure. the guy Fine. if you have to. Get an offensive <laughs> PI, you know? Sure. sure. Um, but, yes, it, it wasn't a, a well-thrown ball. I also thought the, the ball that got intercepted his second time, even though it was tipped, even if it wasn't tipped, that might have got intercepted anyway. Yeah. So that well, wasn't And great. also, there, there was this portion of that game where Oklahoma State was tipping a lot of balls. Right. I, th- I think. So it's, a deflections. it's a very nuanced conversation. It's, it's very hard to discuss this game, I think, because it depends what lens you're looking through. If you're looking through the lens from, from Jason Bean, I mean, if you're looking through the lens of this year backup quarterback, even a couple of the mistakes and struggling at the end of the game, I think you still view it as like a really, really great performance. Yes, correct, because you're not expecting that. I, I think if you view it from the lens of like, 
okay, we expect more than just a backup performance from this guy, though, because he was a former starter for us and he started so many games, then it's really a tale of two halves. It's a tale of the first half is amazing, the second half not as much. And I do think there is, to add to the nuance here, probably a little bit discussion we could probably have about, I know it's easy to be like, oh, he had 400 yards and five touchdowns. How much of that was his doing? How much of that was Oklahoma oh, State just blowing coverages? Two of the touchdowns, I could have right. made the throw. Yeah. I mean, right. the one to Mason Fairchild and then... Uh, Both to Mason Fairchild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other Mason Fairchild one. Because at least the the Skinner, the two Skinner ones, I mean, one of the Skinner ones, that was a great throw. Yeah. Uh, the other Skinner one and the Trevor Wilson deep ball one, it's like, yes, they were wide open, but you still had to make the throw yeah, because the DB yeah. was still within, I don't know, three, four yards or something. Yeah. So I do understand that. So I, I think it's a very nuanced conversation. I, I think if you're grading on the curve for backup, it's probably like an A minus B plus. If you're not, if you're just leaving a B, it's probably like a B minus to me. And I think that's just kind of the definition of what this is. I was looking today. You look at uh, some of the total QBR numbers in the Big 12. Jason Bean is seventh in the Big 12. You look at uh, pro football focus numbers. Jason Bean is eighth. Middle of the pack quarterback in the Big 12. And guess what? When you're a middle of the pack quarterback, there's going to be moments you look really good. Well, there's going to be moments you don't. How so, many times have we sat here and said the difference between Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean is just that little inconsistency, right? Where yeah. Jalen Daniel, Jason Bean at his absolute best could can be near the level of Jalen Daniels. Right. But he has a lot more valleys. And you see, in, you see some yes. of the valleys in the second half that, that did hurt Kansas. And so, yes, did it hurt you at times in the second half? Absolutely. Did it help you in the first half? Absolutely. Did Jason Bean play well enough to win the game? Yeah, he did. I definitely think he did. Played more than well enough. I Would think. you have liked him to be more clutch at the end? Would you have liked him to actually throw the ball in the last play of the game, even if your chance was point zero 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 one percent chance of getting a Hail Mary? Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe the biggest indictment to me was maybe you have the nine-yard gain by Devin Neal on third and ten on what, for all intents and purposes, was your last real drive. And then on the fourth and one before you attempted it, you took a timeout which to me felt like this coaching staff not trusting the quarterback because if you trust the quarterback to get you in the right play, you go up and you run a play and don't use the timeout that early in the drive. And it ended up costing you because you could have used that timeout defensively and you would have had the ball back with 55 seconds instead of 15 seconds. So The thing thing about the timeout discussion is like timeout or no timeout, just get the first down and then it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just, just get the first down. I don't, I mean, if you have to call timeout but you get the first down, who cares? You got the first down. Drive stayed alive. So, the, 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 I don't know. The, the timeout conversation to me is kind of like a, eh. I mean, if you get the first down one way or the other, who cares? Right. Uh, so, that was probably the most disappointing part of that. And I, I didn't. I don't have a problem with it, with the idea of calling a timeout there. I mean, regardless of who your quarterback is, you want to make sure you've got the right play. Uh, sure, maybe you might trust Jalen Daniels to, to go out there and just, you know, call something and, and go with it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a fourth down. This game was on the line. Right, mm-hmm. so I don't have a problem with calling a timeout there to make sure you have the right play that you want to run. But I have what I have a problem with is just not getting the first down. <laughs> just, I mean, just get the first down. Yeah, that's one where I I think it would probably benefited to run the ball. And I will say, as much as they did struggle running the ball, lowest uh, rushing output of the season, uh, lowest yard per carry output of the season, a lot of that was the outside runs that were not working at all. So the, the inside runs, I think, we're having a little bit more success there. Yeah. I will say, I think it's pretty clear that. If Jason Bean is going to be the starter again in any games in the future, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State kind of showed the blueprint of what teams are going to want to do. They're going to stack the box and say, "We're going to make Jason Bean try to beat us." And to Jason Bean's credit, he played up to snuff to try to to try to win the game. But I think that 
that to me seems like it's going to be the strategy probably from opposing defenses yeah. going forward is we're going to put eight, nine guys in the box and say, Jason Bean, go beat us. Yeah, because again, when you have Jason Bean, you're basically saying he's good enough to win as long as we do some of these other things well. And if literally just one of those other three phases does well, Kansas might win the game. I mean, if if, if yes. you hit your two extra points and then that way you're hitting the third instead of having to go for two, that's three extra points. In the end of the game, it's completely changed in how both teams are approaching it and running yeah. plays and, and running if, drives. If you don't let Ollie Gordon beat Derrick Henry, yeah, that would help. Probably win the game, right? Um, also, I guess we should probably bring up the call from the officials on the offsides. You mean the non-call? The non-call. Uh, okay. So, listen, I had had a few beverages by that point in the game, okay? And I was up in the stands. I saw it immediately. Well, I mean, what are we looking at? Open your eyes. I mean, who are the officials down there? We got blind guy one and blind guy <laughs> two. Th- what, what are we doing? I mean, I was seeing... I was seeing 22 guys on the field, and I couldn't, I mean, who, what, how does that happen? Seriously, how does that happen? I don't I understand. Don't, I don't know. Well, and, and here's Explain the, that to me. Here's what really sucks. The guy who jumped offside, I, it almost looked like two of them jumped offside. I think in watching the screenshot of the replay, it was just the one uh, as a defensive end. It's not even, like, already, if he's offside, he's offside. It's a penalty regardless whether he impacts the play or not. So, it should be. But what makes it even worse is the guy who jumped off sides got a clear advantage from jumping off sides and was the one who got the strip sack on Jason Bean because he had a big step on the right tackle and was able to beat him to the quarterback basically unevaded. So you you didn't just end up with a missed call. You ended up with a missed call that also helped the other team make the play. Yeah, it's brutal. It, it, very, very, very bad. And, and so, again, like KU did enough other things that they shot themselves in the foot, whether it was the two turnovers, whether it was not running the ball super well or the special team's mistakes or struggling defensively or maybe some of the time management things. They did enough to shoot themselves in the foot that they didn't just lose the game because of the call. No, I know. But definitely if they have the call, it would have been a lot tougher to lose the game. Yes. Well, because I, I know you feel the same way that I do about don't love to harp on the officiating or, or really talk about bad calls because, uh, again, I think generally it evens out. But, but dude, I mean, that sucked. I mean, that was just terrible. I mean, the fact that it was a fourth down I think made it worse. If it was like a third down or just not a fourth down, I don't think I would have cared as much. But mm-hmm. just a real twist of the knife, man. Yeah. Terrible. For sure. Uh, Open so your eyes, big oh, officials. What, what is your uh, biggest takeaway here? <sighs> I think my I think my biggest takeaway. Hmm, I mean, I have a couple. Like, I guess number one, you're getting blasted in the first quarter on the road against Oklahoma State, and you didn't fold. But we've seen this KU team under Lance Leipold establish that now, so that that's an expectation now that you're not going to fold if you get down early. Uh, but again, I thought Bean played really, really well. But yeah, I think I guess the biggest takeaway is. If Jason Bean plays really well, that's not good enough to win you a game. Mm-hmm. You need more. You need other areas, you know, where Jalen Daniels maybe can backpack you to a win. Jason Bean, if he plays well, is going to put you in position to be there, but maybe not enough to actually just straight up take the win. Yeah. Uh, so that was my, my biggest takeaway. But uh, again, again, I just want to circle back to what I said at the beginning. 
I walked out of the stadium pissed off. Okay, and it was a good feeling. Honestly, it was it was good. It was I felt good about being pissed off. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like it's it's good to feel feelings. It <laughs> makes you alive, even though it's bad. It's good it, in in a weird way. Um, my biggest takeaway is I I think just yeah, it's really hard to win on the road. I mean, we we've talked about that stat before. Kansas only won yeah. two, hasn't well, won dude, two Big Twelve road around, games since 07. Look around the Big Twelve this year. It's impossible to win on the road. I mean, there's I think I don't even I haven't I haven't looked at it recently, but there was like two or three Big Twelve road wins. In the first you know, three or four weeks of the season, it's tough. I mean, even look at even look at the Houston West Virginia game. Mm-hmm. Houston West Virginia should have won. It said on the road they lose. Yeah, yeah, it's very tough. And I think uh, going back to what we said kind of at the beginning, Kansas is in the muck. Basically, every team who's not Texas and Oklahoma, maybe there are a few teams you would put aside, but like all of a sudden Iowa State looks good and Oklahoma State looks decent now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah KU, Oklahoma State, K State, uh, Iowa State, and then you get to like the, those. And then there's another tier of like Texas Tech, BYU, mm-hmm. TCU's in UCF. there somewhere. UCF probably lower down. It's but. a mess. It's yeah. Just a bunch of muckets. Yeah. Texas OU and then a bunch of teams competing. Which honestly, when Texas and OU leave next year, maybe that just means this is going to be the most bonkers, wild conference. <laughs> which to try is kind of awesome. Win. Yeah, but it is in the, a way. It's awesome, but on the flip side, it means that the Big Twelve is probably never going to have a CFP. Yeah, it's going to be like well, I guess now that they've expanded. Now they will, I guess. Maybe. They, uh, what if the winner goes like eight and four next year? You know. It would be kind of weird. But anyway. I guess, yeah, I guess not that they're expanding, the Big 12 still will. But, yeah, I mean, would you be surprised if the if it, if the champion next season was an 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three team? No, not really. No, not at all. So, bottom line, some things went against you. Um, you also should have forced multiple. Like, this feels like a kind of blessed two-week stretch for Oklahoma State. They went plus five in turnovers against K-State and KU. Yeah. And yeah, the, a drop pick six. Yeah. Another dropped pick, probably. Alan Bowman had like three or four throws that were like that could have been picked, you know. <laughs> but the, okay, didn't take, that was the difference. Oklahoma State made the plays on because I think Jason Bean probably had less dangerous or interceptable passes than Alan Bowman, but he had two more interceptions because Oklahoma State took advantage of him, and that's part of the flukiness of turnovers. Sometimes yeah. you're going to take advantage, sometimes you're not, and this was one of those games where they couldn't. Um, yep. So, you know, it, you had the multiple turnovers that you could have that you couldn't. You turned it over twice. You had the offsides call that didn't get called on fourth down. Um, you were on the road with a backup quarterback. From that standpoint, this is not a bad loss. It's no. understandable. And honestly— no. And you look at Oklahoma State's schedule, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State can end up being a nine-win team. I don't want to go that far. I team. still don't think they're that good. I think they've just had a couple decent wins. And I don't think they're that good either, but look at their schedule. But you know what's weird? This might be the first time I've ever been able to say this. Kansas might have lost a fluky game. <laughs> like normally, it's like Kansas wins that. Like when Kansas won, it was because they won off fluke. Pre Lance Leipold. Sure. Kansas lost a fluky game. It's just weird to think about. Like I, yeah. I think if you play Oklahoma State ten times on a neutral field, I think Kansas wins six or seven of them. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. At the same point in time, that's the type of loss you avoid. If you're a nine or more win team, if your team is going to have that special season, that's probably a loss sure. that you avoid. And so if you want to have that conversation of Big 12 title contender or are you the third best team in the Big 12, I think that game for me kind of ends that conversation, at least for the foreseeable future. But it doesn't change any of the things you can do. You can still make a bowl game. You can still win six or seven games. You can still try to beat K-State. You can still maybe win eight games. Um, It's just this game brings you more back into the muck. All right. Yes. We're going to take a time out here. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to our Pearson Collision hit of the week. Then we'll recap a crazy city showdown coming up in about 15 minutes from right now. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. 
We've got our Case of the Mondays, College Football Crackdown, and NFL Monday Overreactions in the 4 o'clock hour. More KU Football Talk and a bunch of post-game audio from Lance Leipold and some players from uh, after the performance in Stillwater that we'll share for you coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Uh, coming up in our next segment, the City Showdown happened on Friday night, and uh, it was a doozy, so we'll get to that. Uh, first, we have to get to our hit of the week, brought to you by Pearson Collision. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football. But in your car, not so much. Quality work, every job, Pearson Collision in Lawrence. Uh, th- this is uh, a little bit of the conundrum we ran into at the Texas game, and it's not just because they lost. It's that <laughs> yeah. when your defense gives up, you know, uh, yeah, in, in a bunch of plays where you're tr- struggling to square the player up and make yeah. tackles oh, and everything, it's hard to find the hits. So yeah. um, I went back, I rewatched the game, and I had a couple, but even then I don't feel great about it. Like there was one hit where I think it was Craig Young maybe had like a big hit, like a huge hit on a uh, receiver catch at the sideline, but the guy caught it, and it was like a 12-yard gain for a first down on, like, third down or something. And I was like, well, I don't really want to pick that one. Yeah. So that, that I guess, would be one option. Um, Tory Lachlan on one of the kick returns, like, basically was right in front of one of the guys, and he just completely devastated one of the other players. Um, didn't end up being, like, a huge kick return, but it was a really good block. I mean, I'm listen, I'm down for shouting out blocks. Yeah, no, that's fine. And I think Tory Lachlan deserves more shine, so that's fine. Uh, Jared Casey, how about this one? Jared Casey caught that pass in the flats. Yep. This was back in the first quarter. Yep. Goes to the sideline and just trucks the defensive back over before he angles out of bounds. I like that one, too. That was a good, a good one. one. I also don't remember who had this one. There was one punt that KU punted the football, and the Oklahoma State guy did not fair catch it for some reason. Caught it immediately leveled by KU. Do you remember that one? I don't know who had it though. I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay, you were enjoying the sweet life at the, uh, I was. the game, weren't you? Well, and I also, I also had, had a few drinks, so that probably this tends to happen when you're to. having the sweet life, <laughs> living off oil money in Stillwater. Uh, dude, it was wild, wild experience. Mm-hmm. Hey, apparently, Bill's health was there. Mm, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but I didn't see it. Oklahoma State in his blood. Who do you think he was? Rooting he was for? wearing. He, I, I did see a picture. He was wearing the most neutral white pullover with nothing on it. Mm. Like totally not. In itself, is that a statement? Is that a statement know. to say I didn't wear KU gear? I don't think so. Mm. No, I don't know. Being pulled both ways. Listen, I will say this: every Oklahoma State fan I met, extremely nice. Mm, good. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Yep. They were chanting. The, the famous K-State chant at one point. Were they really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't caught on TV at one point. Oh, I Early in the game. Oh. Which I don't know. That was, felt very weird to me. Because I was like, That is weird. You're doing Yeah, what? I didn't. I didn't hear I didn't realize that. No, I had, was, great, I had a great experience. I didn't realize there was animosity between Oklahoma State I, and I had a great experience. They were all really nice. And, uh, and after the game, everyone was really nice, probably because they won. <laughs> so, of course, they were nice. <laughs> that helps. But, uh, no, it was great, yeah. Okay. I'm all down right. for Jared Casey. Uh, let's do Jared Casey. Okay. I think we Jared Casey's like, had so many big blocks this year. Yeah, and I, I like giving props to non-defensive hits, right? I like I like giving shout-outs to good blocks. But you know, we had the we had the De- the Devin Highshaw truck against UCF. Mm-hmm. I like I like those types of plays. Yeah, so uh, trucking by Jared Casey on a uh, first quarter reception over toward the sideline, which continues on. We still do not have somebody who has gotten two for mm-hmm. the hit of the week. Wow, not hit by the way, not by design. No, not at all not, by design. Not by design. We're 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 we, we are with the college football playoff committee. We reset every week. We yep, yep. take everything else aside. Yep. We are not biased at all. We're not looking at anything from the past. If you have a big hit, 
we're going to consider it. That's right. So here's the leaderboard now. Kobe Bryant, Marvin Grant, Austin Booker, J.B. Brown, Daniel Highshaw, Jared Casey, and then the Texas play. So you're play. putting Kobe Bryant still the best, though. Kobe Bryant's still the best. Yeah. One against BYU. Yeah. I think that's Shoulder. Think deservedly number one. Into the body. No ball six. comes out. Picks it up. Or into a fumble six, I guess. By the way, there needs to be a new term in football. For like, Because you can say like an interception return for a touchdown, pick six. It just works. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you I think can't say fumble six. You just say fumble six. That doesn't sound great. Fumble six? We need something well, else. Well, fumbles have scoop and score, though. Scoop and score. Okay, I like that. Scoop and score That's a good point. Good. Okay. Yeah. So you have pick score. six and scoop go. and score. Yeah. All right, that is our Pearson collision hit of the week. We're going with Jared Casey. Pearson knows accident hap- accidents happen, understands the stress and pressure. Pearson embodies trusted experience, meticulous repair, and they work with your insurance. Pearson Collision Repair, 7th in Connecticut and Lawrence. And if you're looking for work or a job, Pearson's always looking to add to their team of artists a rewarding career with awesome pay, paid holidays, and weekends off. Pearson Collision Repair strives to hire only the best and want you to apply. If you're committed to excellence, want career growth, come join the award-winning team. You can go to the Pearson Collision Repair page on Facebook and apply. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a time out and uh, recap the city showdown between Lawrence High and Free State. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We'll get into more KU football talk throughout the show. We've also got our NFL Monday overreactions, some uh, post-game audio from Lance Leipold and um, some of the KU football players from their game. We'll get to that throughout the show here on RCST. First, though, Friday night was an unbelievable event here in the city between uh, Lawrence High and Free State. City showdown did not disappoint. And uh, it was over Free State High School this year. Lawrence ended up winning 31-24, to a overtime victory. Matt Llewellyn joins us now here in uh, studio, who you'll be able to hear him on the call on this Friday. Lawrence High having their uh, season finale of the regular season uh, at Shawnee Mission West over at Shawnee Mission South High School here at 7 on KLWN. The Free State game will be at 7 on 92.9 The Bowl. They'll be playing Olathe North on Friday. But uh, I don't know. That that must have been a fun one, I'm sure. It was absolutely amazing. And it was different. As By the way, I... I might squeak from time to time because of how I'm still recovering from Friday night. Uh, it was it was quite a night and uh, and just a great great high school football game. I mean, above everything, it was a great great high school football game. Yeah, I mean, you don't uh, three scores in the final two minutes and then overtime and and a a stop like that at fourth down to stop uh, to stop the Firebirds from getting in the end zone. Just absolutely an amazing, amazing game, and just great things happen. and And Banks Bowen continues to grow in his uh, capability as a quarterback and and to lead this team. I'm just I'm so proud of him and what he's done. I mean, it's 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 hopefully going to be a special year. Translate that win was huge because I mean, and and as it happens almost every year. The favorite does not win. No, it's crazy. I, I, I mean, because you had to pick. I mean, you, it's, it was very simple going in that game. And, of course, Lawrence High was the favorite in my eyes, but that's because I always pick Lawrence High to win. <laughs> but uh, but going into that game, I mean, it was obvious that Free State had had done better with their first uh, six games of the year. And uh, and Lawrence High just they found a way to win. and And they did it by... Really making sure that every every part of their team was solid, 
And then they, when they needed to make the big play, they made the big play. Well, it, it very easily could have turned the other way. I mean, the very fourth easily. and ten at their own forty-yard line. Fourth and ten, unbelievable. And they get a sixty-yard touchdown pass with I don't know whatever was left uh, under a minute to go, forty seconds, thirty seconds, something like that. And uh, so here, I'll tell you about that play because yeah. I, I I found out about that play after the game. That has been a play they've been working on all year long, and they've they've attempted to run it several times, but it has never worked out. And for one reason or another, but everything on that play worked out exactly the way it was supposed to, and it was perfect. And and what a throw to Malcolm Paul, and a great run by him to a great great throw by Banks Bowen, connected to Malcolm Paul. Malcolm Paul scores the touchdown to send it at overtime. I mean, absolutely amazing. It was just incredible. And then uh, for the for the LHS touchdown to be a uh, uh, a connection to Mason Mosman, who previously in the game had missed a couple passes. I mean, he had dropped he dropped some passes, but for him to make that catch in the in the back of the end zone the way he did, phenomenal, just absolutely incredible. I mean, it was uh, from the Lord's high st- side. It was it was awesome. But again, the one thing that I was remembering and realizing and and thinking about is that in the final five minutes of the game, both sides were celebrating equally amount. I mean, it, it was one, <laughs> the free state it was like side. a college bowl game. Oh, it was, yeah. it was incredible. And then when they scored their touchdown in regulation, I mean, it seemed like the game should have been over. I mean, that, what, minute 12 left on the mm-hmm. clock. And then to throw that pass uh, on fourth and 10, fourth and 10 in a high school football game. Everything's on the line and and just absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. unreal. The and, emo- it, and the emotion and everything going into it, just yeah. I mean, I mean, the game started. It was about the defenses and you know, kind of lower scoring game. I think it's three nothing at the end of the first quarter. You get to the the third quarter and uh, Free State has a long touchdown drive, and at that point, it's seventeen seven. And it felt like the Firebirds were, were oh. going to kind of get it done. But then Lawrence And how much down. time did I mean, they take off the clock? To man, get, a long time. I mean, that was a long drive. That, they took off so much time. It was like late third quarter, yeah. And then Lawrence goes down. And, you know, even as much as the the clutch plays and the, the plays at the end are the ones that stick out, it's, it's those little plays that get you there along the journey, too, because they had two fourth downs they converted and eventually got uh, a touchdown to make it 17-14. Then they go down and they nearly score a touchdown, but they get pushed back from some penalties. And uh, Andre Lafort again, who you know was the the hero in the Shawnee Mission East game, kicking the game winning field goal, kicks the the game tying field goal. And then Free State goes down, gets the touchdown, which, like you said, was crazy. And that was with like a minute thirty left. And then LHS. And how long back. was that touchdown? That was a fifty yarder too. It was a, it it? Was a thirty-nine yarder. From, oh, was that thirty-nine? Okay. Yeah. It was, it was a, Edison, had, they had like a third down and he had like a 25 yard scramble in the next play. He hit the deep 39 yard pass to, right. uh, I think it was Braylon Preston. So yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable game. And I think an unbelievable showing of both schools, really. I mean, I uh, mean, that school's always about community. Yeah. It, that, that game. I mean, both sides were packed as usually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was great to see. And if there, any of you haven't seen uh follow on Twitter, uh, Dr. Lewis, I retweeted it, his video. Uh, Dr. Lewis was in the end zone or behind the end zone watching the final play and videotaped it and put it out on Twitter. And uh, and I, I resent it, but it's just an amazing – just watch number three, Xander Thomas, uh, to make that stop right at the two-yard two, two yard line to end the game. 
an incredible, incredible night, incredible way to end the game. I mean, but I, I just, I go back to, obviously I feel better about the Lawrence High win, but what a great high school game it was because just like at the end when KU lost to Arkansas, how do you not appreciate that yeah. game as a KU fan? You have to appreciate you, the effort all around. Right. Really and do. so yeah. so even though KU lost, I still felt a, a tremendous amount of pride for KU in that bowl game. And and I I certainly hope that the Free State people feel the same. It's heartbreaking and and I know that for the, to take the loss against Lawrence High just like it would have been had we lost. But I still because of the way the game went had 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 they converted on that play in overtime and then and then Free State won in second overtime. My my feeling about the game and about what transpired would have still been just mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing high school football game. I would love to know uh, what percent. Obviously, they ended up kicking the PAT after the Malcolm Paul touchdown that eventually sent it to overtime. I would love to know how much of a percentage of Clint Bowen was thinking about going for two there. I, hey, we uh, we were debating it around us. I mean, we were, we were, all right, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, and I'm really bummed out because I, my reception was not good. So I <laughs> could not hear what you guys were saying and what was happening. And, and I, we well, can check out, speaking of Twitter, you can, uh, at D Johnson radio, if you want to see the highlights, I have it pinned on my profile there. So okay, we got some awesome. highlights posted with some of the video and radio. So, uh, we did have that on, we did have the game on at the brewery as we will. Any, any game that's streaming that we can get on, we'll have a uh, showing at the brewery, uh, for the rest uh, as we have yeah. whatever games we've had. But so hopefully, um, oh, so this week we've got Shawnee Mission West. Are, are we going to have the video this week? Not or no? this week with the road game, the, the Shawnee School District. We, we have limitations. Gotcha, gotcha. So this week we'll have Free State on the video stream, and that's going to Lawrence will that, be on the radio. The North is tough. Yes, they are. And now Gardner lost. I don't know if you saw that. Gardner was upset. Oh, that's right by, by Olathe East. By Olathe East, and I think Olathe East is quickly turning into the team that yeah. nobody wants to play in the playoffs. Probably, absolutely and not. That seems very talented. I mean, we saw both Gardner and Olathe East. Free State barely beat Olathe East earlier in the year. Yeah, they needed a. They needed a, they Actually, that was the game they needed a ninety-five yard punt return for a touchdown to win, and then a goal line stop. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, uh, but the good news is Olathe East and Gardner are both on, and Olathe North for that matter, are both on the uh, the East side, and, and LHS and Free State are on the West. What's interesting now is that um, Free State, I think, right now they're like the three seed in the West, but you know that's going to be very dependent on what happens with the Olathe North game. LHS still is the nine seed. And it sucks because if they were in the East, they would be, I think it was like the five seed right now. There's just so many like of these teams from Western Kansas that just beat up on bad opponents and they get to the same record. So right now, Lawrence, I would still be on the road, but I do think if they win this week, I feel like one of the other teams who's like five and two will lose. I know one of them's playing like a really good team. So we'll see what basically happens there. But I mean, that that's the other part of this. It's not just that this is bragging rights and, and you know, something that for the seniors, they can. Uh, have over the other seniors at the other school for forever, I guess. It's uh, this is important for playoff seating. Oh yeah, you, you do not want to go on the road the first. No, game. I you mean have to go and, to Wichita and, and, or Dodge City, right? And not to mention the fact that it's going to be hard anyway. But uh, because we're not one of the top seeds, so we're not going to be playing one of the rummies. I mean, we're going to be playing a good mm-hmm. team, and uh, you just you you want to have that home field advantage and. And I, I, we'll we'll talk to the staff and you know hopefully get a a great contingent, God willing, for the second one that we have to go on the road for. But more than likely, we will have to go on the road for our second one. Uh, and just hopefully, we'll get the first one. Hopefully, at home. yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've thought about this at all, but I don't remember, certainly since I've been here, it hasn't happened. Can you think of a year where Lawrence and Free State have met in the playoffs? Because I certainly I can't. I don't believe so. And I it's feel very like... Pos- uh, Dirk Wed would know. I feel like I'll, it's I'll, only can, a matter of time. I'll text Dirk. It's only a matter of time. It's going to happen eventually, right? I mean, eventually, it's just going to work out that way. I don't know. Maybe this would be the year. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. It, it all depends on how things shake out. But I, I actually would love for that to happen. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I don't want to play at Free State again. <laughs> Why is I, that? I, I just, I, I would just rather. Well, because I want to be on the call. I don't want to. I don't we've want, already talked with our program director. Our normal rule, I guess, peeling behind <laughs> the curtain here. Whoever the home broadcast is. But I like that. I like that rule. I think it's. I think For the it's playoffs. Smart. We would be doing two broadcasts. Oh yes. Do we have enough room up there? <laughs> Well, there was enough room for a lot of people. Oh, you weren't there. Uh, yeah. There was probably like 30 people in the press. That's over-exaggerating. But like there were a lot of people in the press box for this game. More than I've ever seen. Make it work. Okay. Make it work. So that, anyway, I, I don't know that it's going to happen. That's just uh, what we would do if it happened. We'd have our, our different team broadcasts like they do in the Final Four. You can yeah. Like, yeah. You know, okay. I, you know what? If that If that is the scenario, I'll say I'll just broadcast from the roof. I'll just okay. be on the roof, and they that's okay. Might be a little cold. They, they do have a ladder, I think, to go up. They oh, do. I know. Thing, yeah. I know. I will broadcast if if that's the case, and I, we have that opportunity. I will do it. We'll get I, whoever wants to do it with me is all. I'm all in. I don't care. Uh, but I did. Now I I did end up. I was able to really kind of enjoy myself, and so it was a different feel for the game. Mm-hmm. But I I did want to. I did want to talk yeah was it was it more or less stressful being, that's a good question being, uh, in the yeah. stands for you versus versus being on the call uh it or was less probably stressful. more stressful not being on the call because when i'm on the call i really don't have time yeah you're occupying yourself yeah. I, I have to be i have to be i have to be talking about the game and what's going on and and i can also tell my emotions on the air <laughs> i mean and i don't i i don't wear my emotions on my, i mean you know what my emotions are <laughs> You know if I'm happy or sad, and uh, it's it's easy to do, and uh, and so I have an outlet. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but whatever happens, obviously, uh, I I I want nothing but the best for Free State now moving forward. I hope they're able to upset uh, North. I think that just makes for a lot of a lot of interesting talk and a lot of interesting things. And I know those kids were heartbroken. I mean, because I've been there. <laughs> I mean, just. One year earlier, right? uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it just it it's a that's a crazy game of high school football, and when it comes down to the city showdown, it is it's always crazy. It's always nuts. Is that the craziest game that, that yes. you've witnessed between the two? Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, they've for the most part they've all been relatively close, and I think you know they haven't been. I was I was looking for the broadcast. It was like since 2015, I think that would give you what, like seven or eight matchups or something like that. I think five of them were decided by one score, and two of the others were decided by two score. Like it's very rarely more than a two score game, more than a one score game, even. So they they're all close games, but I think that was the first one that went to overtime. I could be wrong on that. Again, I'll I'll, I'll reach out to Dirk Wed. He'll okay. know. He's he's my he's my historian when it comes to Lawrence High football. Uh, but yeah, I tell you, what a great. I mean, just. I, I, I'm still kind of on cloud nine about mm-hmm. that game. KU was obviously a big bummer because we had every opportunity to win. Would you trade them? Would you trade uh, a free state win for a KU win? No. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why. I just 
uh, it's just well, one's a rivalry game. One's just uh, mean or uh, I don't know. It's not meaningless. Yeah, it's meaningful, no, but a regular season game. I, I, I don't know. You know, it's a great conversation to have yeah. though. But high school sports, there's so much more raw emotion, and the kids are really playing for their school and for their passion for their teammates and their 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 the other kids they go to school with and it's a big deal. I mean it's I just think that that in now in the college game with the NIL, it's just kind of, it's more about a lot getting to be more a little bit about me. Mm-hmm. God hope we never see that at KU and I'm sure there's got to be a little bit of it, but but it's it's becoming more university athletic college athletics is becoming more of a a pro sport, a, a yeah. pro sport, and and I hope it never happens. I hope that, that it doesn't lose the passion and lose what it is, but it's never going to at the high school level. Uh, I guess unless you're in Texas and you can, because <laughs> it is a sport, yes. it is a business down there. It's crazy how much those teams can generate in revenue at the high school level. Oh yeah, and they do, and they generate a lot. But uh, anyway. Just great, great game, and I'm just thrilled to actually be here today to mm-hmm. be able to share my passion with everybody because it was it was awesome. Well, going back to the game, I I thought it was really fitting the final play of the game. Uh, you mentioned Xander Thomas making the tackle at the whatever it was one two yard line. Um, how many clutch plays has Xander Thomas made this year for games we've been on the call of pick sixes, picks that he brought him back the other a way? A ton, huge tackle, a ton for him to get the play. A senior, a too. senior. It's an LHS team that sophomores made great plays all game. Josh Galbraith was great, and you know Banks Bowen is a junior. Like they had a bunch of sophomores and juniors make big plays for the senior in his last game uh, Mal- against Mal- Free State. Malcolm last- Paul made the yeah. big catch, and it, cool. and if you see that, I mean Xander was exactly where he was supposed to be. He fought, oh and by the way the the receiver and not to kick a man when he's down but he lives in the Lawrence High side of the of the uh of the uh <laughs> of the, the border. Yes. So uh it was I, I, you might hear was, a little bit more than It was somebody a little yeah. it, it was it, it kind of added a cherry to the ice cream sundae for me. Uh you know, anyway, you don't ever want to, you don't ever want to want high school kids to to knock a high school kid for their decisions and what goes on in their world. But the fact that he lived on the Lord's high side was pretty special. So I heard about it from the neighbors in the paper the next day. If that's still a thing that happens. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to add from oh, the game? Just a uh, great game, and I wish yeah. everybody. I wish Free State great luck. Moving forward, I hope they beat Olathe North, and I hope they, uh, you know, I it, it'd be fun to meet again in the playoffs, but not till the championship game, <laughs> there we go. if possible. Subset, I don't want, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want it to be before that because yeah. then I, then that would ensure one of us going to the state championship game, and that would be amazing. All right, he's Matt Llewellyn. You can hear him on the call this upcoming Friday for LHS at Shawnee Mission West, right here on KLWN with Nick Springer, who will be on the call with Craig Hershiser. The Free State game on ninety two nine The Bull. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays, College Football Crackdown, NFL Monday Overreactions, more KU football talk. All that coming up in the show on KLWN. Depend on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. 
Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. Welcome back no, man. to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Time for Case of the Mondays, which, I don't know, you might be having a little bit of after the uh, KU football game on Saturday. Is, there, is this one more of a depressing loss than the Texas one? Um, Probably. No. You no, I think more so? mad. It's more angry. At the Texas one? Or no, at the at Oklahoma this, State one? At Oklahoma State. Mad the at... The Texas one is like, I oh, already okay, wait, was who, depressed. Wait, give me your top five things or people you're most mad at. Right now? Yeah, about about like, oh about the, the game. Oklahoma State game. Yeah. Oh. Um. Well, I don't. I'm not mad at anybody in particular. I'm just mad they lost. You're not mad at the refs. I'm. I'm a little mad at the refs. Okay. But not that. Would be on the list. You just uh, made the list. You're not mad at Ollie Gordon. Well, I'm not mad at Ollie Gordon because he just did his job. Okay. The defense did not do their job. Okay. <laughs> so you're mad at the defense. Sure, fine. Okay. All right, here's your uh, case of the Mondays. Who's having a case of the Mondays today? Well, certainly not Kansas basketball because uh, KU basketball is ranked number one in the AP poll, which came out today. Yeah. Ranked uh, season is here. That sucks for Duke, am I right? Well, that yeah, Duke's Duke. number two. By the way, Kansas ha! got 46 first place votes. Duke had 11. They're in second. Purdue is ranked third. They got three first place votes. Michigan State is fourth. They got one first place vote. Marquette fifth, UConn okay. sixth. They got two. Timeout. Yeah. Who keeps ranking Michigan State so high? They are never good. What do you mean they're never good? Dude, they always suck in the regular season. They get like a six seed or a seven seed, and then they go to the Sweet 16. And everyone's like, oh, Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo is such a good coach. No. I'm about wrong. to uh, prove you very wrong. Okay, so the last... Three years, I will give you that. 7-7, seven, seven, 11 seed, but only one of them they made the second weekend. What uh, did I year, just tell you? Year before that, they were number seven in Ken Palm. Canceled tournament because of COVID. So they would have probably been a two seed. Year before that, they were a two seed that made the final four. Year before that, they were a three seed. Year before that, nine seed. Year before that, two seed. Year before that, seven seed. Four <laughs> seed, three seed, one seed, 10 seed, five seed, two seed, five okay, seed. Okay, so if you, so look like at last, had a lot of years. if you look at the last 10 years, they have been lower than a four seed half the years, basically. I guess. I don't know. I, I think they're a good team. Anyway, um, who else is uh, of interest here? I guess the Big 12 schools. Houston is in at number 7. Texas is in at number 18. Baylor at number 20. And those are the uh, Big 12 teams that are actually ranked. Um, when you're looking at the Maui Invitational, which KU is going to be at. Yeah, what is it? Five of the top 11 teams are there? Yeah, so Kansas, they're one. Purdue is three. Marquette is five. Um... Isn't Tennessee there? Is it? I feel like Tennessee yeah. is always wherever yeah. Kansas is. Yeah. Tennessee is there at nine, and then Gonzaga is at eleven. So yeah, five of the top eleven are going to be playing in the Maui Invitational. Yeah, insanity. Insane. So, mark your calendars for sure. That's right. Uh, by the way, Illinois is twenty-five, and uh, that's who KU is going to be playing in an exhibition game. Not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Yep. Yeah. So right after KU's W over Oklahoma, mm-hmm. it'll be. Uh, KU getting a W over Illinois for the second time. Now, KU basketball is also number two in the initial Ken Palm rankings that came out. They have the number one defense. So, is Duke number one? Purdue. Oh. Well, okay. Duke is actually I, nine I, I'm, on Ken Palm. I'm curious about, about Ken Palm and how and how Ken Palm calculates Zach Eady. 
Because they probably just look at him and say, well, 7-4. I don't think they look at him and say 7-4. I think they look at him from a Ken Palm perspective, and they're like, this dude is insanely efficient. Yeah, because he's 7-4. Well, okay, Ken Palm doesn't take into account how tall you are. It's just like, oh, he's shooting this percentage. That's my point. Okay. I don't know. No, that is is nice. Um, Houston's three on that, by the way. I think this was kind of expected. I think we we expected KU to be top two, top three, probably at worst. Uh, so definitely not surprising that they are the number one team in the country. They have the number one transfer in the country in Hunter Dickinson, the best pure passing point guard in the country in Dewan Harris. They returned their one of the better veteran defenders and players in the country in Kevin McCuller. Plus, you, you toss on Marco Jackson in there as as a top twenty recruit from last season. You throw in you throw in Nick Timberlake, who was probably the most one of the more coveted shooters in in the portal. Plus KJ Adams, who's sort of the heart and soul of the team and just the high motor guy. You throw that all together, and you've got. A pretty damn good team on paper. Uh, now the question is, can everything gel together for KU to live up to this? Uh, did you see? Did you see? Uh, I don't remember who tweeted it. I think it was not John Rothstein, but somebody. KU's been preseason number one three times previously, or four times previously. They okay. lost in the first. They lost in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. All, all, all three of those times. It was like Northern Iowa, the year they lost to Northern Iowa, the year they lost to Bucknell, and there was another one in there. Those were the last time. Ev- those were the last times they'd been number one preseason. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I also, I remember doing a, it kind of, I, I looked into this um, at some point during the, the summer about being preseason number one and that, yes, it was bad for KU, but overall for like most teams. So here we go. The last three times KU was preseason number one overall. 0405 lost to Bucknell. 0910 lost to London, Iowa. And 2018-19 lost to Auburn. All in the first weekend. Yeah. But again, I... I remember looking and being like, I don't know. I, I wish I had a list in front of me of all the preseason number one teams. Obviously, last year was a disaster, right? With with last year U- was it UNC? Yeah. Um, I mean, because, can you even count last year? Because it was so bad. Yeah. No, but like typically, I I remember looking back and looking, and it was like typically if you are the number one team, it's like you have insane seasons. So I think <laughs> the fact that KU has not insane had insane regular seasons, both. No, it's both. Okay, um, I'll I'll do a deep. We'll we'll uh, mark this for Wednesday. We're gonna, we're gonna be yeah. We'll we'll do a deep dive on this for Wednesday because I'm telling you right now, it's actually very good. And the fact that Kansas has had a bad track record with it tells me that there's gonna be a some, some maybe not reversion regression to the, to the mean, mean, but reversion the other, to the, the opposite yeah. of regression. Yeah, exactly. What's a good word for the opposite of regression? Progression. Uh, pro. <laughs> hey, there we go. Progression. There we go. On the up and up. All right, uh, and that okay. was the English segment yeah, of Rock Track Sports Talk. All right, uh, case of the Mondays for America. What? That's right, because uh, the according to ESPN, the NFL is pondering a Super Bowl in London, England. What? This is stupid. Okay, I will say this. My initial reaction is that it's stupid. My secondary reaction is I don't care because the Super Bowl is a celebrity fashion show, a celebrity hubbub, whatever the hell. And I don't care. I'm never going to go to the Super Bowl. I don't care. So they can play it. They can play it on the moon for all I care. I don't care, to be honest. What if they did? That'd be awesome. You'd be for well, that? Because it's just, the, my point is that, like, me personally, me, I'm never going to go to a Super Bowl. I'm never going to make enough money to go to a Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has turned into, like, from a fan perspective of, like, being there, it's turned into, like, you know, uh, the A-list, whoever, you know, all that crap, right? Me, who actually cares about the game, I don't care about any of that stuff. So I, it doesn't affect me at all where they play the game. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, played in Australia. 
play it in, you know, wherever. I don't care. I get what you're saying, but isn't, like, the Super Bowl, like, the pinnacle of American sports? No, it's incredibly stupid. Yes, it's incredibly stupid. But from a big picture perspective, mm-hmm. incredibly stupid. I mean, why? Why? Like, why? Let's go play the World Series in Japan. Let's go yeah, play, exactly. the, NBA, be, let's go play the NBA Finals in France. Well, it was basically, it was on a fan forum, and Roger Goodell uh, said it is not impossible, and it is something that has been discussed before at least of the Super Bowl in London. What is, what is the NFL's obsession with with England, by the way? I mean, do they do they must have like some sort of marketing strategist that is telling them that people in England will spend a bajillion dollars in revenue mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, that what? How? Why else would they be so obsessed with England? I don't know. I just realized, too, this actually would have an effect on you, even though you wouldn't be at the game. Because think about it. All the London games start at, like, 8.30 here because of the time change. That is, Could you imagine if how the Super they... Bowl is at, like, 9.30 in the morning? Okay, now I really hate that idea. <laughs> Why? <laughs> or maybe, do you think they would just say, screw it, and we're going to play it at, you know, 3 a.m. in London so that it can be at, you know, a regular time in America? Maybe that yeah they could just be a, but wouldn't that suck for the players too like you have to completely yes. change your body clock no, it to get ready for, for everybody yeah, everybody I think, I think loses, that's so stupid except for Roger Goodell and everybody who wants to pocket all the money other than that everybody loses which okay. you know what that means they're probably gonna end up doing it that's a good point they as like, long they only uh, care about, about the, money. the money yeah um case of the Mondays for people who can't stop complaining about the MLB playoff format. I feel like it has been uh, ramped up this year with the amount of people complaining about yeah. the playoff format. and I don't know. Uh, but Commissioner so Rob fun. Manfred but, okay. on the postseason format, he said, it's only year two. Um, I'm sort of the view you need to give something a chance to work out. I know some of the higher-seeded teams didn't win. I think if you think about where some of those teams were, there are other explanations than a five-day layoff. But I think we'll reevaluate in the offseason like we always do and think about it if we have the format right. Here's what's so fascinating to me about this, of the dichotomy of the situation, is that casual sports fans all love underdog stories. They love it when the team that's not supposed to win wins. Mm-hmm. But when too many of the teams that aren't supposed to win win, then no. all of a sudden it's terrible Indictment. and everyone hates it. Yes. So it's like you got to find this perfect balance where you get the good teams or the teams that are you know the top seeds do win, but you still need your underdogs because, dude, if if it's just straight all one seeds, all everybody, you know, they all, all advance. People will complain about that. They'll say, "Well, this sucks." Yep. The team that was supposed to win does win. This They're is like, no oh, fun. No parody. See exactly. Yeah. So there's like this some sort of weird. It's like a, it's like a pendulum. It just swings back and forth, and you can never seem to get it in the sweet spot where everyone's happy. Either, either oh, there's too much parody. You know, the 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 the, the good teams need to be rewarded for being good, or it's. Oh, well, this sucks. All the good teams always win. There's no fun in this. Like, what? I I, I don't understand. Yeah, and again, actually going back to what, what he's saying here, that basically you can't you can't make a rash decision based on one year. It's it's such a small well, sample size yes, data. Yes, also, and, and guess what? Baseball is random. That's yes. why they play a bajillion games. Because they play a bajillion games to eliminate the randomness of it. Yeah, and that's the thing. There, there's going to be no way to perfect an MLB postseason um, because of that, because of the randomness that can happen in short games. I do think also there is something to be said that there are more reasons, I actually do kind of agree with that, of why some of those those teams lost in the first round as opposed to just having a five-day layoff. Um, because think about it. Why hypothetically could you not just do scrimmages with each other? If, you, if it was so important to play games, just do that. Second of all, those teams get an opportunity to get healthy. And, you know, when, when you look at the teams, all of them, it makes sense to me. The Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers. Well, guess what the Dodgers struggled with this season? Pitching depth. 
all of a sudden in the playoffs, pitching depth becomes more important. And yeah. top-of-the-line starters. The Dodgers threw out there in games one and game two, Clayton Kershaw, who we already talked about struggles in the postseason. And in game two, they threw out a rookie. Well, the Diamondbacks, they don't have great pitchers, number three through five, but their top two, like their number one might win the Cy Young, and their number two is really good. And so guess what? That helps in a short series when you're going to condense so that basically all you need is two good pitchers because they're going to start four of the five games. Then you look at the Rangers-Orioles one. It always felt like the Orioles were playing above their skis. And I don't know, the... Like, it's a young team. Like, young teams sometimes well, struggle. Also, I mean, the Rangers, they invested a lot of money yes, to trying to win power. this season. So they have a lot of stars. Exactly. And guys who have done well in the past. And guess in who the shows postseason. up in the postseason? Um, the Phillies beat the Braves, but guess what the Phillies also did last year? Beat they the also beat the Braves. Maybe they just have the Braves number. <laughs> and then, uh, what's the other one? Astros, I guess they were a team that, that came off the buy and they won. And I, I actually saw this tweet, too, from uh, Eno Saris, who uh, works for The Athletic and, and talks baseball and everything. Teams with longer layoffs in MLB postseason history now are now 24 and 14. So actually, the actually teams better. with longer layoffs have actually done better. It's just that this year is an anomaly. Yeah, it's always what's going on right in front exactly. of you. And you don't consider anything else. No, nope, exactly. So I actually, I, I think this is silly that people are being like up in air about this. Yes. I think it's, okay. yeah, whatever. Well, it's just that you're, like I said, you're always going to have a, some subsection complaining one way or the other. 100%. You can't please everybody. All right, Case of the Mondays for... Uh, other countries getting dominated by the U.S. in another sport. They're adding cricket as an Olympic sport back. Oh, uh, that one. But uh, flag football is getting on there for the first time. We're going to dominate that, right? <laughs> uh, you would think. I also saw squash. Yeah, there were like added. five sports that were added. Have you ever played squash? Baseball, softball, which I, I'm assuming I don't understand. Baseball and softball. It's just like slow pitch softball. I don't know. No, I'm assuming it's they're saying baseball and softball. It says baseball dash softball. I know, but I think they just lumped it together just because. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, My assumption is that it was the same. Okay, maybe. Uh, lacrosse we're, and we, squash. We're going to dominate lacrosse, are we not? I think so. I don't know what other countries uh, have lacrosse. Obviously, enough do if they're putting in the Olympics. Yeah. You play, You ever played squash? No, I've played racquetball, though, and that's... Is it similar? I, I think right? so. I honestly don't know. I don't either. <laughs> Wait, what's it? Squash and uh, badminton. Now, badminton's different. Are those similar? No, I don't think so. They both feel like very like preppy sports that you play if you're rich, though. I just Googled squash. Okay. Is a racket and ball sport played by two to four players in a four-walled court with a small hollow rubber ball. Yeah, so, oh, so it's basically like racquetball. racquetball, but oh, okay. probably racket different ball. rules. I okay. played racquetball, though. It looks like racquetball. Yeah. All right, uh, Case the Mondays for the Yankees, too. Obviously, they're out of the playoffs and everything, uh, but they've got to be feeling it. They traded last offseason, or, or during the trade deadline, not this past year, the last year, so 2022. They traded Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. Bader... Very, I don't know, below average like center fielder, good defender. And Jordan Montgomery has been an unbelievable starting pitcher. He started game one last night for the Texas Rangers. They shut out the Houston Astros behind Montgomery, who's been awesome in the postseason. Was aw- Since they acquired, since the Rangers got him, he has like a sub three ERA. Um, Yankees, feeling it. Another case of the Mondays. That sucks, that. Yankees. All right, that is Case of the Mondays. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get on to our college football crackdown coming up next. About a quarter till five on RCST, and uh, we have no KU football game this Saturday. But the following Saturday, homecoming, KU Oklahoma will be at Big Mill. They announced the time of the game is going to yep. be 11 a.m., which so, means uh, uh, Crimson and Blue Show will start at 9.30. Yep. Our show will be 8.30 to 9.30, yep. and the KISS crew will be there from 8.30 to 10.30 out at Big Mill. Get your we're going to be giving tacos, away. Get right. your coffee. 
and get some free stuff from Grandstand, which we're going to be giving away. Sure. So uh, if you're looking for customized gear, go to egrandstand.com. They're also hiring, egrandstand.com slash careers. All right, the NFL uh, happened yesterday. It'll continue it to happen tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, let's cool. let's overreact. Oh, I love that. NFL yeah. Monday overreactions. Oh, what do we got this that. week? All right, first up, I think that uh, the – let me get the music here. There we go. All right, music's up. First up, you look at the Houston Texans, okay? The Houston Texans are the best position team in the AFC in the next five years besides the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Is that an overreaction? Well, okay. They're looking so pretty good. They These are. crowds the truth. For the next five years. So, like, you know, you automatically gravitate towards teams with good quarterback situations, right? Sure. Steelers like, don't feel way. great. Are the Texans going to be better than the Chargers and the Dolphins in the next two or three years? I don't know, man. Tua, be- Tua has injuries, so you never know what's going to happen there. Sure. But like, the Chargers, I don't know it. who the coach is what's, what's, what's the upper middle class of the AFC? Chargers, Dolphins, uh, I guess if, if if the Jets, if they have Aaron Rodgers next year, uh, the Browns, um, the Ravens. Now, like, is are the Texans going to be better than those teams? Because I think if you can make the case for that, then you have a case for this team. Probably not. C.J. Stroud has been very good. So that makes you kind of consider, because when you have a quarterback who's been very good and he's just a rookie, it it's kind of interesting, I guess. But I, I can't get there, no. I, I will say, Stroud's been good. You got a bunch of young skill talent around you. Um, you also have a, a good young head coach in D'Amico Ryans who has turned this Texas defense into being a good defense without, like, a ton of star talent. Yeah. So well, I, I mean, I, they do have uh, Alabama guy. Will Anderson. Yeah, Will Anderson. So, like, I think they're well-positioned. I think they're very well-positioned. But I don't know. There, there's a lot of other well-positioned teams, too, in the AFC. So I, I think probably a bit of an overreaction. Okay, fair. Uh, the Dolphins, they got a win over the Carolina Panthers uh, yesterday. And after a bit of a shaky start, they got down 14 nothing, and then ultimately won, I think, 42-21. Maybe, though, could you make the argument the Dolphins purposefully got down just to have just to test themselves a little bit? Yeah, they're like, what, you know, the Panthers stink. We have, we have no reason to get up for this game. They're like, oh, what if we – have you ever done that this before? This would be like, an all-time Mike McDaniel thing, by the way. All-time. <laughs> I mean, if there's one guy in the league that, you, that would actually like, seriously do this – it might be dang. No, it's like you're playing your your friend or like if you have a younger brother or something. And you know you're in a better. Video game, you know you're better and you're like, I just want to make this more challenging for myself so it's not as boring. And you just like let him get up early. Let him trash talk a little bit. And then you get going. Because it was it was 14-0 Panthers. And then it felt like the next time I looked at the score of the game, it was 21-14. to 14. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy, it was and then they ended up like winning that. big. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, it was crazy. So, yeah. uh, no, did they actually let them? No, but I guess good for the Panthers. Show a little fight? I don't know. Panthers are yeah, really bad. Yeah, the Panthers, man. they Really bad, and the number one pick could possibly be Caleb Williams, which makes it 18 million times worse. Yeah, so they don't have their pick. No. And they're stuck with Bryce Young. That's so, tough. I don't know. I don't know, man. All right, how about the Christian McCaffrey for the Niners? He should win MVP, if nothing else, just because the Niners stink when he's not playing. <laughs> well, it, it definitely looked a lot different for the 49ers offense with McCaffrey. He got injured in the game. I don't know what the long term of his injury is going to be. It sounds like it's not just going to be like a one-week thing, though, so that's problematic. And obviously, McCaffrey has had to deal with injuries throughout his NFL career so far. He's put up awesome numbers so far this season. Has he played a full season healthy? I don't think he has. 
553 rushing yards so far this year, seven rushing touchdowns. He's averaging five yards per carry. Yeah, I mean, there's no question he's been great, but... I guess his first three years, he healthy. all played fully full seasons. Oh, with the Panthers? Yeah. But if he can't stay healthy, how are you going to win the MVP? That's the problem. But So, like, the, the voters would have to be like, well... We're just going to extrapolate out what his numbers would have been because the Niners suck without him. Yeah. And he would have got the ball on. No, this is, this is definitely a bit of an overreaction. But I do think if, if McCaffrey comes back, let's say they miss him this week and the offense looks bad again without him, and then he comes back the following week. I mean, because remember, last year they were, what, like 2-4 and four or something or 3-5? and five or It, yeah. it, was, it wasn't a great record when they got him. And, four. Yeah. and then they went off when, when he started. And uh, the record is so much better with him because they already have a great running offense and a great offensive scheme with um, – what Shanahan does. What Shanahan does, yeah. but having those good players just takes it over the top. And so I do think he's very valuable. It, it's so hard for a non-quarterback to win the award. He should get credit I mean, for how bad they looked, I guess, without him. But Without no, McCaffrey, the Niners become, what, the third best team in the NFC? Yeah, I guess without McCaffrey, Their worst I Eagles. would take the Eagles. Yeah. Would you take the Cowboys? I still would take the 49ers over yeah, the Cowboys. They they kinda, just, I mean, they blasted them. I still think they'd be the second best team. Well, changes I mean, things, though. Yeah, no, it certainly does. Because I think you're right. I think you put the Eagles squarely ahead of them, mm-hmm. if that's the case. All right. Uh, in the AFC, the New York Jets, J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They're looking pretty good. They would be the scariest wildcard team to play. Scariest. In the, if they make the playoffs. Okay. This is kind of interesting. I think there is some notion to this. I think this is dead wrong. When I'm thinking, you think it's dead wrong? Yes. I'm going to well, hear what you want to hear. What okay. You so part of trying to decide playing a wild card team, I'm viewing this from the Chiefs' perspective. I think that's the angle to go to. Agree. Yeah. And when I look at the teams that could be wild cards, like I'm not going to be like, like of course, if you had to play the Bills or something in the wild card, like that would yes. But I don't expect the Bills to be a team you play in the wild card. I have a feeling I know why you say no because you think it's going to be the Bengals. <laughs> but. <laughs> Well, actually, the Bengals weren't even the first team that came to my mind. Okay. So you have somebody else then. The reason I think it's the Jets is they're kind of Giants killers. Like, do well, I... they're just... I mean, they just have a good defense. I know. That doesn't make them Giant killers. It just makes them have a good defense. Do I think the Jets could sustain three straight wins, four straight wins, and win a Super Bowl with Zach Wilson? No, I don't. But they could definitely probably beat somebody. Correct. And that's why they would scare me in the AFC wildcard. They're the team in the NCAA tournament. They're Arkansas this past year. Arkansas never had a shot against UConn, but they took out Kansas, you know? Fine. That's the Jets. And when you look at how they've done against these good teams, they did get smashed by the Cowboys. So that goes against it. But they beat the Bills. They nearly yeah. beat the Chiefs. What did you see? Uh, and they beat his, the Eagles. You saw his quote? You yeah. was like, we played some of the best QBs in the league and we haven't won all the games. But we've made them all look bad, right? So, I, I get it, I guess. And uh, my, the initial team that I had in my mind was actually the Dolphins. But I started thinking about it more, and it's like, well, if we're going to extrapolate this out and say, from the Chiefs' perspective, the Dolphins going to come play at Arrowhead in December when it's cold. Probably not going to be as much of a danger as they mm-hmm. are now, you would think. Uh, obviously, the Bengals, which I think is a real possibility. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I have to tell you. The Bengals are going to be in the playoffs. They might even win the division. If the Bengals if win their next game, I will give that to you. Seriously, they are in the playoffs. If they win their next game, I Sharpie. will agree with you. Sharpie, but I don't know the if Bengals they're winning the next game. Into the playoffs right now. So you think they're winning their next game? I don't. I, I know they're playing somebody good. I don't. At know San Francisco. Oh, 
What's their record? So they're what? They're, they're three, three and three. three. They could lose they're and they're and still fine. Easily. I should mention. I'm telling you, I know I, I know their schedule. They Their next, like, five games, it's like the Niners, Bills, Chiefs, I think. and So it's, they have a bye week to get ready for the 49ers game. And then they're at San Francisco. Bills at home. Yeah. Texans at home. At Baltimore. Versus Pittsburgh. At Jacksonville. I mean. Where do they play the Chiefs? Um, Second to last game. Oh, okay. But, no, yeah, I get it. I mean, I get it. A lot it. of tough just, games, man. I'm telling you. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep saying it. Okay. It's the Rams' fault. The Rams are why we're <laughs> the Rams. The Rams are why we are here. But the Bengals will be in the playoffs. Sharpie. All right. And you know what? You can clip this if you want. <laughs> later on, later on, in this, you know, if they don't make it, in, you can clip it. I don't care. Okay. So future me, if you're wrong, you're an idiot. But I know you're not wrong. All right. What else do we got? All right. Let's play a little fun game here. Oh wait. One more. Oh no, well. Let's. I want to. I'm gonna go to the game. Okay. We're gonna play a game. <laughs> Play a little trade roulette here. Ooh. Kirk Cousins. Let's spin the wheel. <laughs> Tell me when to stop. Stop. The Falcons should trade for Kirk Cousins. Hmm. Desmond Ritter bad. Just had like three interceptions. They lost at home to the Texans. The running game really good. You have good weapons on the outside that you don't really utilize. <laughs> Defense is fine. Yes, they should trade for Kirk Cousins. All I right. think the offense would be... I think if you gave them Kirk Cousins, I would almost be confident enough to call them the third best team in the in the uh, NFC. Kirk Cousins moves the needle for you that much? With the Falcons specifically, yes, because I think the Falcons have a top... I mean, they were the number one running team last year. Okay, in look terms at the of like Vikings. EPA per play. The thing, that, the thing with this Kirk Cousins crap is, Kirk Cousins has the best receiver in the league, one of the top tight ends in the league, and... Prior to this season, he had one of the better running backs in the league for a little bit with Dalvin Cook. And what happened? Nothing. I think the Falcons are a better team around it than because I the Falcons have a much better running game. The Falcons last year were like the number one team in EPA per play running ball. You added Bijan Robinson, they've been good running the football. Yeah. It would open up even more with Kirk Cousins. So they're a better running team than the Vikings, who Alexander year, Madison yes. is kind of bad. This year, yes. Yes, this year, yes. Yes, you are right. They have Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and, you know, Drake London and Kyle Pitts is not nearly that. But at least the Falcons still have decent weapons. I, I think the Falcons have a better offensive line than the— Well, I don't know. Vikings actually offensive line That's is pretty decent. I'm, I've started to come full circle mm. on this. Earlier in the year, I was like, oh, yeah, some teams should trade for Kirk Cousins, and that might make them kind of good. Now I've come to the conclusion that Kirk Cousins doesn't move the needle for me, for any of these teams. Yeah. Like, the Jets are probably better off with Zach Wilson. Falcons defense better than the Vikings? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I do All think right. they straight for them. I think they would at least put them in the conversation of We're winning their spin division. spin the Kirk Cousins trade wheel again. Ready? Okay. Stop. The New England Patriots should trade for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> uh, if they can build a time machine and go back four weeks, yes. But at this point, they are so bad, and they are one in five. Kirk Cousins ain't getting you out of that hole. <laughs> so, No. Now, if they could have done this at the start of the season, I think yes. I think Kirk Cousins on the Patriots right now, they're probably 3-3 three and three, as opposed to 1-5. and five. Okay. So they're okay. decent. All right. All right, ready? Spin again. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns should trade for Ooh. Kirk Cousins. Okay, obviously this would never happen because they have so much money invested in Deshaun Watson. Uh, but the defense is elite. They won that game with the 49ers with P.J. Walker in there. 
Deshaun Watson has not been very good. They're 27th in uh, offensive yeah, DVOA right now. In a lot of ways. I'll say no because of the money implications, but I'll say yes from a standpoint of anything to get rid of Deshaun Watson off my screen. Agreed. And also, like, yeah. I actually do think Kirk Cousins is better than Deshaun Watson. All right, point. rapid fire, Tennessee Titans to trade for Kirk Cousins. Yes, 100%. That one, I think, makes the most sense. That one does make a lot of sense. To me, that makes the most sense. Yeah, because the, the Titans are at least Besides decent Jets, enough guess, where it's like it makes sense to invest the draft picks for them, and maybe they could go on a bit of a run, but they're also clearly not good enough uh, as is right now, and they could use the upgrade. Yes. No, uh, listen, my two my two NFL takes, Bengals, playoffs, Titans, 7-10, uh, and 10, mm-hmm. or whatever. That's our NFL Monday overreactions. Two hours down, one to go. More KU football talk, KU football audio after that. RCST, KLWN, depending on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. We will share for you Lance Leipold's post-game audio from the lost Oklahoma State 39-32. Coming up in our next segment, we've also got some audio from some of the players who spoke to the media after the game including Mason Fairchild and Jason Bean. So that coming out to you later this hour on RCST as well. Um, okay, KU Falls, 39-32. As we do on our uh, Mondays here, what is your biggest positive from the game? I mean, can I say, say, can I say Jason Bean? You can say Jason Bean. I like Jason Bean. <laughs> I think it was a big positive. I think the other big, I guess kind of ancillary to that, the big other big positive was Seeing Mason Fairchild get in the end zone a couple times, uh, seeing KU spread the ball around and get it to some guys that have maybe on the stat sheet underperformed a little bit, but have still been really quality players. Somebody like Mason Fairchild. Uh, yeah, I think that was maybe one of my biggest positives. Probably was those, that those that aspect of of the game, and and I guess I kind of I highlighted it earlier in the show too, but just the fact that once again you've now proven for the upteenth time that. This is not the K-Football of old where you get down early on the road and you f- pack it up, call it a day, go home. This That ain't that ain't it anymore. That ain't it. That's the standard. And you have continued to reaffirm that over last season and into this season as well, and you did it again against Oklahoma State. My biggest positive is that the receiving weapons got going. Yeah. Now, this wasn't necessarily all about Maybe the receiving weapons, like, you know, struggling or doing this or that. Like, part of it was just, A, you have balanced offense, you're throwing the ball to a lot of different targets, and B, you're running the football a lot. So there's just less opportunities for guys to emerge on the outside and put up receiving yards. It was nice to see that against a team who really did put a ton of emphasis, it seemed like, on trying to stop the run. I think that's part of why KU did have some blown coverages on Oklahoma State. I don't think it was all just Oklahoma State messed up. Like, yes, they messed up sometimes. But I think they messed up induced by the stress you create as an offense and your running attack. And because of that, it increased the chance that there would be a mess up in the past defense, and KU was able to take advantage. Uh, but also, there were there were some really good throws there. I, I keep going back. The the one that Jason Meehan was rolling to his left, left side, yeah. throws it as he's about to get hit toward the end of the first half. Quentin Skinner catches on the run and then just puts his foot in the turf and, and sprints down for a touchdown. I mean, that, that, that was a great play all around. That was probably the best throw of Jason Means' career, to be honest. It was, yeah, that was certainly a great one. So that was my big – I mean, Mason Fairchild, five catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. He's yeah. really gotten it going lately. Yeah. Quinn Skinner, two catches, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Trevor Wilson, four catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Which, by the way, Trevor Wilson seems like he has like a great connection with uh, Jason Bean. Yeah, yeah, and it makes sense, right? I mean, in practice, if you're – 
if practicing with the backups a little bit, if you're Jason being the number two, so that means you're probably getting more reps with Trevor Wilson. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes a little bit of sense. And by the way, on Fairchild, over the last four games, he has 15 catches. He had three catches total in the first two games. So you're averaging a catch and a half the first two games. Over the last four games, you're averaging almost four catches per game. So that's going up. Uh, Lawrence Arnold had five catches for 68 yards. So it was a little bit of everyone doing a little bit of everything, and you saw the the receivers kind of showcase their talent a little bit. That, to me, was my biggest positive, that you were able to get that going yeah. in this game. Yeah, because obviously you needed it. Hmm? Right? You really did. You needed it. What was your uh, biggest negative? I'm torn between two options here. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, the special teams. <laughs> I mean, what was that, dude? Are you starting what? to worry a bit about the special team? Is it starting uh, to show no. at least the kicking game? No, I'm not worried. Uh, Is it starting to show a little crack no. in the armor? Because I have to Back-to-back believe... Back-to-back weeks, you had a PAT block. I have to believe that this, this particular showing against Oklahoma State was more of a one-off. I just have to believe that. Because, I mean, how many games are you going to have multiple problems on consecutive point-after attempts? Either blocked, false starts, just, oh, I'll, I mean, just snap. everything. Everything was everything was bad. I mean, terrible. Like, how does, I mean, what, what are you practicing all week? You're a kicker. You're a long snapper. You're a holder. What, what, what are we doing? So, that was just very, very discouraging, and I was really, really not thrilled by that because it may not seem like a big deal, and I think at the NFL level, it's less of a big deal, but when you're playing at the college level or if you go further down like the high school level, not having that extra point really can change a lot of things. If nothing else, if a defense gives up a touchdown, but then they block the extra point, they have snatched back mm-hmm. some of that momentum from you just scoring the touchdown. They really have. And it really does change the flow of the game, especially at the college level, when you when you don't convert. And when you don't convert on, what, three in a row? Four in a row? I mean, I, did they even I, – I don't think they made it – was, It was three in a row. One was the block. Yep. One was the fumbled snap. Yep. And then – or wait. And then one was a miss in there? Well, there was a false or, start. And then did they have one that they went for two? Now I'm just, like, psyching myself out. But, yeah, anyway, I mean, it was at least three. It was at least three. For sure. And it the changes. point being just really, really, really bad. Sure. And again, it's one of those things where, like, if your team scores a touchdown and they miss the extra point or something happens, normally it's just like a you shrug it off, eh, whatever. But those definitely impact the game, especially when they stack up like that. Uh, it, 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 it can really start to, to chisel away at your confidence, really. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, just very, very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. For me, my biggest negative, I wait, you said you were between two. Did you say what the other one was? Uh, no, my other one was just the fact that your running game was completely stifled, basically. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty big negative, right? I mean, I think we... 3.1 yards per carry, 90 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, I think we trust in Andy Kolnicki to, to design up, to scheme up some runs. I think you and I are both of the opinion that this is a top half offensive line in the league for, for KU. And obviously, if we believe Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw is a top five duo in the country... Even if you're running into stacked boxes, I think you should be able to find a little bit more success over the course of a game than what KU found against Oklahoma State. 100%. Now, I would like to see what the rushing numbers look like without the sack yards. I know Jason Mean got sacked four times. I don't know how many yards he lost on the four. I guess if you take those out, does Kansas end up? Well, I mean, just based on Neal and Highshaw runs, that's 21 carries for 90 yards, which still isn't great. It's a little bit better than some of the numbers show, but still, man. Uh, by the way, Bryce Cable do shout out. He got uh, on the carry chart because he picked up a fumble. 
Zero carries, okay, negative nice. two yards. Nice. Yeah. If you're an offensive lineman, would you rather get a uh, fumble carry for a run or what happened to um, Donovan Smith for the Chiefs? Get a pass. The the Well, I mean, I don't know. The pass one is probably better for the offense as a unit because it doesn't mean that you – it means that you didn't fumble, <laughs> whereas the other one does. But the other one, like, actually counts. So. What if – okay, let's say he reported it's eligible and, and that happened. Okay, then I guess that one. The pass is better? Yeah, the pass is definitely better if he reports as eligible. Uh, my biggest, I guess, negative, honestly, is the run defense. I'm starting to worry, Nick. About the run defense? We had these conversations all well, last season. This is why season. we haven't rubber-stamped anything. That's why we because haven't. Because right. we did that last year, and it came back to bite us. We wondered, is it fixed? And had we done that same thing this year? After the BYU game, when, when Kansas gave up... Nine yards. Yeah, nine yards rushing on 22 carries. We would have said rubber stamp fixed. Approved. And then the next week they gave up 336 to Texas. <clears throat> the next week they gave up 202 to Central Florida. <clears throat> the next week they gave up 218 to Oklahoma State. <laughs> Little bit worried. Uh, yeah, I'm concerned. I mean, I think you look at the linebacking core, and Rich Miller has reached his ceiling as a player, athletically, and what he's capable of doing. Tylen Bear Hill has been inconsistent dealing with injury, though. J.B. Brown's been what you've needed. Cornell Wheeler's been what you've needed, but you, you still haven't gotten enough, really, from collectively. Uh, you look at the D-line, obviously been great in, in, in getting after the, the, the rusher and passing, but, uh, yeah, hasn't had, had, haven't had the same effectiveness in, in terms of stopping the run. So, yeah, it's a little concerning. Uh, you know, you look at the schedule. Taj Brooks is a really talented running back for Texas Tech. They might be able to have a lot of success running the ball. You just uh, if you happen to watch the Texas Tech Kansas State game on Saturday, you saw Avery Johnson rush for five touchdowns. That <laughs> that's concerning for when K State plays KU. Uh, so yeah, there there it's a concern, and there are some teams coming up on the schedule in the near future that I think could exploit that even further, which is definitely uh, concerning. Yes, so I'm getting a little worried there. That is my biggest negative. What is your okay. biggest neutral? Biggest neutral. I don't know. I, I, I think the, I think overall the coaching was probably pretty neutral to me. wasn't good. wasn't great. wasn't bad. I don't think. I know you had you had a couple questionable decisions. I, I just had a couple had, time but, management things. I thought the coaching was pretty fine. pretty neutral. I know a lot of people me. would get on the coaching about the play calling and stuff. I I thought that was fine too. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I would go pretty neutral there. I mean, I almost actually I almost thought about saying that Jason Bean was the biggest neutral because he played well but did have the mistakes that maybe cancel some of that out a little bit later in the game. Basically, your last four drives, if you would have gotten one touchdown, you win the game. Um, they didn't. I was probably going to pick Jason Bean here as the biggest neutral. Yeah. If you have the tag on there that this is what you got from your backup quarterback, it's more than a neutral. But yeah. if you don't, then I think it's the biggest neutral. Um, I I don't know what to do about this. I, I, I'd maybe throw this one in there, the pass rush. You only had one sack. Yeah. And I think part of it is the defensive ends are banged up. We've heard that Hayden Hatcher, Jeremy Robinson, some of these guys are playing through injury. Austin Booker randomly had a giant brace on his knee. Yep. He was he was playing uh, through some injury stuff. Bad. And Booker yeah. ended up with nine tackles, but I, you just didn't see the same pass rush in this game for KU. Yeah, and I think it also early in the game, Oklahoma I know he was getting the ball out. Yeah, too. I was going to say, early, early in the game, it was clear that Oklahoma State had a game plan of not letting Allen Bowman hold the ball very long, which is honestly pretty wise on yeah. their part, <laughs> to, be on, <laughs> to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I... That's why I didn't want to say the D line because I was like, you know, if they're if they're getting the ball out quick, 
then obviously your pass rush is going to be not as effective. But, but yeah, I mean, I guess maybe. Do you, I mean, do you call? What do you do about the drop pick sixes? Is that a neutral? Is that a? I mean, it's more I guess negative. It's a neutral, I guess I, I don't know. I guess yeah, it is maybe more of a, a negative, but it's sort of a neutral because it's like you got in position to make a play. But you yeah. didn't make the play, so yeah. yeah, I guess a little bit there. Yeah, so kind of more neutral there, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, the, the defense, the, it felt like they were playing a lot better. And now, I mean, the UCF game was probably their best, one of the better games of the season. Feels like you've lost a lot of that. But it makes me think that this bye week is coming kind of at the perfect time to where. You can have some guys maybe start to get healthy, and you can sort of reset for this final push. Maybe the biggest neutral, honestly, is the result of the first seven games. I guess maybe overall no, positive. No, you feel positive. You feel but, positive. Okay, uh, let me it's rephrase this. Positive. Let me rephrase this. The biggest neutral is your record going into the bye week, specifically including how you are coming off this week. Because the neutral part of it, the positive part of it, is 5-2 and two still works. The negative sure. part is... The loss that you just had, and, and there is a worry in my mind. We've talked a lot about. I don't think this Oklahoma State loss is going to look bad, though. Going I don't know that it is, but here's where my worry comes in. Probably going to lose to Oklahoma. Fine. At Iowa State, Iowa State's pretty good. You don't just roll on the Ames and get a W. Okay, if you lose your next two games, all of a sudden you're riding a three-game losing streak, and you would be five and four. That would be a worse record than you were through that point last year. Okay. Doesn't that seem bad? Mm, first of all. Future problem. Okay. Second of all, uh, yeah, no, it, it is concerning because I, I actually was having this discussion with a friend. Like, would you do you think this season Ames is a b- more in like difficult environment to play in than, than Stillwater? I think Ooh. I would say Ames is probably more difficult. Those fans get crazy. It might be. It very much so might if be. You're, if you if you operate under that assumption, that road game against Iowa State, eh. I don't know, man. Could also listen, be very you know, cold weather. The pessimistic side of me, uh, something I've brought up, talked about a lot, is I'm still not saying I'm still not going into any road game thinking Kansas will win. I just I'm not having that mentality. It's hard to win on the road. It's that's been proven even more so across the league this season. But also Kansas, obviously historically, has been really bad on the road. So I'm not going into any road game expecting a win. But you're right. I think if you are five and four, and then you've got Texas Tech and and Kansas State coming to town, to you have to win one of those. Texas Tech looks like a pretty winnable game right now, given the disarray that they have. But I just alluded to it. They've got a really good running back. If they, if I'm Texas Tech and I'm still kind of in disarray and Baron Morton's hurt or whatever coming to Kansas State, my game plan, HB die. <laughs> Same with Kansas State. Same with Kansas State. And suddenly that makes things a little bit more interesting. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough, but... Again, I, I don't. I don't care if you're five and six and you go beat Cincinnati and you're six and six and you get to. I don't. That, if that's if that's how if that's how it has to go, I'm fine with that. I don't want it to, obviously, but if that's how it has to go, I'm fine with it. But hopefully, hopefully, it does not. I and obviously, to, this this all hinges on the possibility of Jalen Daniels returning, really, as well. I wanted to do a play of the game additive to this, but I think we already talked about it. it it's got to be the Bean to Skinner one. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. Any others best, you would throw I mean, out there? Best play of Bean's career. Best throw yeah. of Bean's career. It's sure. the deep ball to Trevor Wilson to get him on the board. That'd yeah. go up there, that cool little spin move yet. But yeah, yeah no, that, that's the one uh, to Skinner there. All right. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. More KU football. Lance Leipold Audio coming up on the other side. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter rcst 1320 am at gmail.com that's rcst 1320 am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast